Welcome to the Bad Podcast. The podcast about three Asian dudes from the Bay. Who only want one thing. Real, Real talk. talk. Hey guys, this is Daniel speaking, and I'd like to welcome you back to another episode of the Bad Podcast. Today's episode is the second out of three where I'll be your host. If you were with us last week when we spoke about fashion, you'll remember that while the topics are going to change, the overarching theme in each episode that I'm hosting in this specific rotation is the importance of identity. This week's topic is the change and transformation of our home, the San Francisco Bay Area, as we've seen it during our time living here. And what I'm hoping to do is take a step back and look at not only the importance of identity in ourselves, but how um, that identity fits into the identity of the Bay. So with that, Han and Doug, another week. My question of the day to you he. is, he. <laughs> what would you say is a local public improvement that was made in the last few years that had a big impact on you? Like, like impact, like, uh, like changes in the Bay, you mean? Changes in the Bay, you know, kind of like, um, I don't know, like any improvement to like a park or they, you know, they renovated some, you know, some, some public um, venue or something like that. Gotcha. I mean, for me, it's nothing. <laughs> no, <I'm just> <laughs> I, I mean, I think it's this. This to me is to me is one of those things where it's like these things were such gradual changes. I mean, unlike you know something like like outside lines or something like that, but most more or less a lot of it was very gradual. Um, but one of the ones that I did I did like was kind of like off the grid, and I think that kind of brought out a lot of the food truck scene. Right. Which I actually, I mean, I like food. <laughs> Who doesn't, man? <laughs> but, you know, I think that that kind of gave it like a really nice, you know, before off the grid and the explosion of food trucks, you know, you're just getting like tacos at like this shady taco truck, <laughs> which I did get like the stomach flu from once from one Wait. in high school. Yeah. But yeah. And, but I think it kind of just upped the quality of that. Um, and it really, you know, it wasn't just food trucks. It was just, you know, a good environment to, to go to, you know? Yeah, sure. It was like a safe environment and like the, like the competition of all the other trucks brought out the best in like yeah. what people were trying to offer. Yeah. yeah. And also like creativity, right? We saw a lot of like really interesting, fun food combinations that have now made like their way as like staples in the Bay, right? Like senior CC and stuff like that. So yeah, definitely. That's a good example. Yeah. For me, I, I would say the biggest one would be the whole sort of mission area, right? I think that previously when I was growing up, I remember it was just avoid the mission at all costs. Like it was yeah. just a dangerous place, you know, everything from gang violence to just, you know, you know, being robbed or whatever. And now it's like a super hipstery area. I'm sure there's going to be some debate about how good that was for the community or, you know, if it displaces people, but just being totally honest and you know, open about this for me, I think, Dolores Park through Valencia Street and all of that is just such a nice area to walk down and go window shopping. There's a lot of great restaurants there now. One of my favorite rooftop bars is now in the Mission, El Techo, stuff like that. So I think there's been a really awesome improvement there just to make it a fun place to go. Yeah, that's true. For sure. Like the Mission gets really good weather too because it's yeah, oh yeah. like, it's, is it surrounded by hills? I don't know. I just know there is a big hill coming at least from like my neighborhood. So like, yeah. I think it can keep, it has the capacity to keep out a lot of like the overcast and fog sometimes right yeah i think that's why it's like if there's a nice sunny day Dolores park is just packed right yeah, to the night. yeah. It's not right now obviously but no, i think it's still pretty packed 
yeah. <laughs> as especially as people get more vaccinated it's true yeah but yeah i don't know if you guys i i know i said this last time but do you guys know that there is a, a pirate store there a pirate store yeah so no so it's, it, it's this really weird store on like 826 valencia and yeah it, they just literally have like you, you kind of have to go in there to actually understand what it is. When you when you say pirate store, I'm thinking of like, you know, spirit. It's <laughs> like spirit Halloween. Yeah, spirit oh. Halloween. And they have like costumes and stuff. That's, but I don't actually know if that's what it is. No, it's actually a it's actually a community center. Um, they actually helped me write my, what is it, the college entrance oh, like essay. Entrance oh, really? Yeah. Wait, I hold on. That. So is is it a is it a is it a community center or is it a pirate store? So the front is a pirate store, oh, but like what? in the back, it's a, it's a community, community center. It's like, you know, I, I was able to kind of go in there, work on my, it helps me with my essay um, for free. Only in San Francisco would there be a pirate store front and a community center in the back. <laughs> <laughs> I think my favorite public improvement over the last few years has been the Academy of Sciences in Golden Gate Park. Not mm. that like, the old Academy of Sciences was bad, but I think that, you know, after they renovated um, the building and added like Thursday night li- nightlife and stuff Ooh, like that, yeah. I thought it was, oh, yeah. I thought that was a really good addition just to like get people through the door, have something um, nice to do, especially like on a week, week night um, right. like, uh, on Thursday night. Yeah. One of my I, remember, I remember when that first went out, I thought it was a terrible idea because I was like, all right, drunk 20 year olds in a museum is going to touch everything. <laughs> but uh, it actually is super fun. I definitely agree. I actually, and I actually really like, well, I mean, selfishly, <laughs> but I really like where it is now. Yeah. But I remember talking to other people, uh, to people about it. And they actually said the, when they, when they were moving the Academy of Sciences, it was actually a really bad like move because they had to move all the animals. Yeah. Um, logistically. They, they said like logistically it, it did not go well. Nice. Yeah. So actually, fun fact, um, for those that might not know, is that actually the old um, California Academy of Sciences actually had a lot more exhibits, right? There was like a whole mm-hmm. dinosaur section, a whole fossil section. And in the renovation, they actually lost a lot of it. Not lost, like we don't know where it is, <laughs> but like they didn't like have the space or whatever. And so City College of San Francisco is actually home to like a couple of the dinosaur fossils. Oh. And like, I think, I think I'm not hundred percent, but I think that like whale fountain that used to be in the very oh, center yeah. courtyard might also be at city college also. So it's like kind of tragic that, right. Like a lot of the stuff isn't there anymore, but right. Yeah. Any case, oh, a little bit cool. of trivia. You can almost say that, that they went extinct. Ah, <laughs> oh, come on. Get ready to be a dad, Doug. <laughs> Okay, so with that, we're going to move into our first section on community. And my question to you guys, well, first, I'm going to drop a little bit of knowledge, right? In the last few years, the San Francisco Bay Area has seen a drastic increase in dangerous wildfires. And for those that don't know, our listeners that might not know, the fires are like really, really serious, right? The smoke covers a huge part of Northern California to the point where it's actually like dangerous to be outside without respiratory protection. And so my question to you guys is, if these fires become an annual occurrence in the Bay, how do you think the Bay Area would react? And like, do you think people would leave? Or like, you know, or maybe a better example, like, would you guys want to stay? I mean, I, I guess to answer your first, your second question, I'd probably stay. <laughs> uh, mainly because like, <laughs> you know, all, all my family is here. 
Right. And so like, I'm pretty big with my family, but you know, to kind of answer your first question of, do I think other people will leave? To me, it's kind of like a coin flip because on one end, if coronavirus didn't force people to leave already from working from home, I think that as long as there are jobs out here, that people are going to come out here, you know, to come out here to work. It's a really good question. I think the Bay Area community has already reacted pretty harshly in the sense of, you know, this has already kind of become an annual thing, right? I know there are memes and jokes about what the weather's like in the Bay Area. It's like foggy, Indian summer, Shenyun ads, (laughs) 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 and wildfires. Like that, those are like the, the four to five seasons in the Bay, right? I mean, I feel like that's, that, that holds some truth to it. And so I think there's definitely been a lot of frustration you know, I, it's funny because it also meant that I had a stash of N95 masks because of the last wildfires yeah, when COVID yeah. hit. So I was like, oh, cool, I'm prepared. But I think instead of a mass exodus, I'm hoping, and maybe this is just the optimistic side of me, I'm hoping that we invest more money in maintaining infrastructure in right. those areas, especially up in like Napa and Sonoma. Because there's been a lot of wineries, hotels, and places that have been in the community for a long time that have burned down and are gone. In some places, People's homes have burned down yeah. twice, right? And so I think these communities need help. And so I'm hoping we can get better funding as a state to control these things, do more controlled burns so that fires don't get overgrown either so that they don't spread as quickly, right? Because right? I feel like we're always doing this sort of bad things happen, we react in the moment, everyone complains, everyone forgets about it, it happens again, right? Instead of putting structures and, infra- and instead of putting infrastructure in place to help control those things. So I'm hoping that the community will react in a positive way in, in terms of more funding and making sure that those things get taken care of. I'm sure there are things, there are macro economics at play that I don't, I'm not aware of. And if our listeners are listening and know more about it, definitely let us know. But I, I'm hoping that we can band together on that. So the second point of, would that make me move? There are other more important factors for me to stay. Family and community are two of the biggest ones for me at least. And so I don't see myself moving just because of the fires. Yeah, I don't want to make it <laughs> much of an echo chamber in here, but I definitely would not leave either. Um, unless, I guess, perhaps like a really, really good career opportunity came along. <laughs> but like, um, but yeah, I think the Bay is home. All my family is here. All my friends are here. Um, I love seeing them. And especially after COVID-19, like it, it, it really showed me the value of all the people in my life. And it's just not a place that I can see myself leaving. Yeah, yeah. This, it's home to all of us, right? And I think right. it's something that we want to see become better, which is why, you know, I think we want to talk about these sorts of things and see what we can put into action. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I, I feel like a lot of the people who have, you know, moved here from like, you know, like the Midwest, sure. they, they don't have as many ties yep. to people out here in, a, in the Bay Area. And I could see them just being like, oh, going to go back to, I don't know. I was going to yeah. say some weird, some fuck. <laughs> but yeah, I, I, I totally, but yeah, I totally would um, kind of agree with what Han was saying about the infrastructure, right? I, like, I think one program that would be kind of cool, but I could also see it being not terribly useful is um, a company that went around and installed like HEPA filters on your home, right? So that mm-hmm. when the smoke comes, right, you have a, a way to get clean air, but like for all the time that fires aren't happening, right? Then it's like kind of a poor investment. So, yeah, and I think to that point, I mean, it's definitely a good thing. I think people should have that in general, right? Just because air quality and, and whatnot. Mm-hmm. But again, it feels like 
a reaction to what's happening and not addressing the root cause, right? The root mm-hmm. cause being, I mean, there's been multiple reasons, everything from a gender sure. reveal to um, <laughs> a power line going down. So, you know, some things you can prevent, some things you can't, but I think just overall, if you, at least from what I've read, and again, please someone check me if I'm wrong here, but controlled burns of making sure, you know, forests don't get overgrown and that there's not a ton of dead shrubbery that can cause the wildfires to just like rapidly move across the, the, the land, I think is, is something that is one thing that can help address the issue at, at its core. Yeah. I mean, I think the one good thing is, is that I feel like when the Bay Area is kind of like faced with like adversity, they somehow are, are always able to really think innovatively mm-hmm. and, try, and figure things out. And I remember when the drought uh, was huge, like yeah. there was just like no rain. I remember people, they, they like switched up their farming techniques right? to like be more efficient. Mm-hmm. And I was just like, oh, okay, like, I think it was like drip irrigation or something like that. I don't that's really awesome. know too much about it, but I was like, when I re- kind of read into it, I was like, dude, that's actually pretty genius. Yeah. So with that, we're going to continue on our road to understanding the transformation of our home, the San Francisco Bay Area. Yee. I feel like I'm going to do that every single day. <laughs> so my second question revolves around big tech, right? We can't talk about change in the Bay Area without talking about big tech. And so I work in biotech, which for our listeners is completely different than like big tech, right? It's still tech. It's still tech, <laughs> but different type of tech. And so I'm a complete rook when it really comes to talking about big tech in the Bay Area. So I'm really curious. I, I want kind of want you guys to take me to school here a little bit. I'm curious to know how you guys would identify the change that happened um, to the Bay Area as a result of the big tech boom. And, you know, it doesn't, just have to be like dropping straight facts, but you could talk about, you know, the culture, the restaurant scene, what have you. And overall, would you say that it was good or bad for the Bay Area? Oh man, this is such a controversial question. Uh, so, so I know this is a really controversial topic and outside looking in, there's like many perspectives, but I also I'm curious to hear you guys perspective as people who grew up here. I mean, I know I did too, but you know, I kind of jumped around here and there. So with that being said, to answer some of your questions, I think big tech has definitely changed the Bay Area and almost permanently, I think. You know, to me, San Francisco has always been sort of that hippie town, right? Where there's a lot of amazing art, music, culture, and just kind of that free love, one people, one purpose sort of vibe, right? And so that also meant that, you know, not all the parts of the city were nice uh, and that there was a little more dirty, a little more grungy, but, you know, that also was kind of the personality of the city. Mm-hmm. I think right now with the big tech boom, the city has gotten admittedly nicer in some areas. And it's definitely led to a lot of new buildings, sky ri- like high rises, things like there's the park now in Soma that like the elevated park similar to the Highline in New York, the Salesforce, the Salesforce Park. Mm-hmm. Um, there are a bunch of new restaurants, a lot of chains are coming to the Bay now, which you know wasn't a thing before either. And so it's interesting because we're starting to see definitely that that really rapid shift to cater to the people that are, are now moving here, which tends to be, again, people more in, in the tech industry. So what does that really mean though? I feel like what the t- what's happened now is now there's this huge divide, right? Because you have people moving here making a ton of money being you know engineers or whatever, working in tech uh, and driving up housing prices. You know, I think San Francisco and the Bay Area in general is just the most expensive city in the world now, which is insane. 
and also just the culture of the city has shifted a lot and it's killing a lot of, I would say, what's art and the culture that was here before. So I think trying to find places that have really good live music, trying to have you know, artists showcase here is just much harder. It doesn't, it's not that it doesn't exist. It's just much harder than it used to be. Yeah. In general, I would say that tech has been better for the Bay. But I, I say that with like a stink on my face, right? Just like there's a little bit of me that like kill, kills me a little bit by saying that. Mm-hmm. Just because, you know, a lot of things that I used to love and restaurants that I used to go to or even bars that I used to like that maybe again weren't the fanciest or the nicest, but they're all disappearing mm-hmm. and being replaced by either chains or people who come in with a ton of money or even like mainstream quote unquote clubs and things like that. So I don't know. It, it's hard for me to say that, but I think in general, it is better for the Bay. I think it's more like, to me, it's more like more in the middle right because like without tech i don't know where i would be right because i think that kind of gave me like a really good start to like my professional career but there is like that that bad part of it right you kind of like Han, you kind of said like it it really lifted up or like made part of it you know really nice and really well or things are a lot better now right but i think it it did really kind of exacerbate the downside of everything right right because everything is like so expensive mm-hmm. like everybody that is isn't in tech or isn't you know making lots of money right you know they're the ones that are suffering the most agreed it's kind of, it's kind of hard because i do see it as good but i also see it as like really bad yeah you know i think like without tech you know where would where would we be mm-hmm. not us personally but like us as like civilization right a lot of these companies that are kind of like pushing the envelope pushing what's possible and what's not possible but then at the same time like government isn't really stepping into like to act can control things i mean i can kind of go on and on about this but you know yeah there's a lot of good but there's also like a lot of bad and i think but like some of the other bads are like, you know, kind of like what you're talking about, like less diversity, less culture, mm-hmm. like less individualism. Um, and then everyone like professionally, everybody is just way more competitive. Yeah, definitely. So I want to, I want to ask a follow-up question there because one thing kind of perked my ears up a little bit. And when, when it was actually in this last part, Doug, when you were talking about, right, there's good and there's bad. My question to you both, what do you what is your opinion on like if you had to pick out three of just the worst things that tech mm. brought to uh, that tech brought to the bay area like what would you say they are uh pushing out some mom and pops like a lot of small yeah, restaurants that i used for to sure like, for sure you know, are, are gone or, or being pushed out because it's just it's so expensive to rent here yeah for, so restaurants and, and like small mom and pops it's just, they've just been elbowed out so that's number one two i kind of touched on already but the art and music scene in the Bay Area, it's just so much harder to come by because it's so much harder to live here if you're an artist of any kind, whether it's music, dance, um, art, anything like that. So yeah. I think the arts is definitely taking a hit. Uh, number three, I don't know. I'll, I'll think about three. Come back to me on that one. Okay, well, I mean, we could do two. <laughs> yeah, I think for me, one's going to be the like, less diversity, right? Because a lot of these, a lot of everybody essentially just becomes cookie cutters of each other um, in like, some in 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 a, in a in a partial sense right because right. everyone is kind of like you know th- like this is what success is and everybody's just trying to mold themselves around like i want to be the next steve jobs or i want to be the next whatever 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 right. um 
And so like you have a lot of these people just following these paths of success. Mm -hmm. Um, And so another thing would be probably algorithms. Uh, You know, (laughs) I mean, like, don't get me wrong. I I think there is some good to it, you know, but at the same time, like everything, everything that we, everything that that's around us is kind of like ruled by algorithms. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Uh, It's true though. Yeah. (laughs) What about you, Daniel? What do you think? Man, so I don't know tech as well as you guys, right? But what I do know is that growing up here in San Francisco was definitely a lot of mom and pop shops, right? Right down the street from me was this guy that owned a place called Jack's Hot Deals. And that's where we would legit go wherever we needed like hardware, right? And it's completely gone now. Damn. But what I can definitely recall seeing in growing up was like the very first Target that came Mm -hmm. into San Francisco, right? Replaced the PlayStation store at the Metreon Center. Once I heard that Target had stepped foot into the city, I guess you could say, um, I immediately was it. I immediately was like, "Oh, that's interesting," but it's like not very San Francisco. And it, I, it took me kind of like a while to figure out like what, like what is that a sign of? Like what, what is the reason behind that? Right. And so I think that I don't know if I don't necessarily know if big tech played a role in in something like that. And but I think you guys are like touching on it a lot, right? It's a lot of small mom and pop shops being pushed out, and we're seeing a higher demand for like more chains or more things that are already successful. I was gonna say, like, I think in terms of like, I mean, I don't really know like the decision, besides what, why they decide when when they decided to have the the t- first target appear. Mm-hmm. But I mean, I would, I would say like a big part of why a lot of these mom and pop shops were closing down was because of like s- services like Amazon, yeah. right? Okay, um, sure. Mainly because like, why why would I pay twenty dollars? when I can get get it for $15 straight to my at, door. Yeah, straight to my door. And then, so I think that might have been like more the catalyst and that and like obviously for certain people I I was already going to Target. I was already going to a lot of these chains. It just wasn't in San Francisco. Right, yeah, cuz like everyone knows the Targets in like Coma and Daily yeah. City, right? And that's where everyone goes. And so I guess it was just a matter of time perhaps. Yeah, Maybe. possibly. Yeah, I think, but I think this kind of comes back to the whole even theme of this section, which is community, right? Do you feel like the community itself in the Bay Area has, like that that idea of community has changed? What I mean by that is that I think growing up, especially for me, not in the city, in the city, but a little bit north, you know, I felt like there was the community there. I mean, I have my own complicated history with it, but I felt like it's like people, you know, people knew each other, they helped each other, they supported each other. And it felt like people really like wanted to, you know, embrace and help the community out. Right. I mean, you could think of it as like small town USA, almost like, mm-hmm. you know, you knew, you knew the person who owned the, owned the hardware shop, you knew the person who owned the electronics store. And so, you know, even though they weren't maybe necessarily the cheapest, like you just, you know, you just, that was the town you lived in, you help each other out. I think with tech and with so much accessibility now too, like there's definitely some good things that have come out of it. Like, you know, again, our public transportation system has been terrible and, you know, Uber and Lyft really helped to sh- shape the city in a much better way, be able to live outside further and get in and things like that. And that's great. But, hmm. you know, taking a step away from transportation, but if you're looking at the stores too, you just think, oh, I can just order the stuff online. It'll come to my door. Hmm. You, know, you, know, you, don't, you don't know any local hardware shops. You don't know any local, um, you know, mom and pops, like, like we said. And you have no also, not to say no, no want, but almost no motivation to help them either. I think 
COVID-19 has been great because there's been a lot of push to like support small businesses, yeah. help them in this time of need sort of thing. It's really shined a light on it. But before then, I can't, I can't remember a single time where it was sort of this mass sort of like support small businesses movement or momentum because I think people were just so focused on just like doing their own thing. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I would argue that the transportation system in San Francisco is actually not bad. Sure, we have our problems. But if you ever try to, if you try to take a bus from like Daly City, like not that isn't Bart, right? If you miss that bus, man, you are you're waiting a while. For me, it's like, <laughs> I miss the bus. I may maybe wait waiting like seven, fifteen minutes for the next yeah. one. Yeah, no, good point. But I mean, um, it, it does have its problems. Yeah. The the last thing I'll say on this, and I have no data to back this up, by the way, but I do want to get your thoughts on this, which is we have so many people that come to the Bay now that are not from the Bay, right? We all talked about the tech boom has attracted a lot of jobs from people out of state, out of country, you name it. Implants. Right. And I've had conversations with people who've moved here when voting comes around, right? Like city voting or local government voting. And when it comes to things like raising taxes to help support local systems, like the school districts, public parks, things like that, I find, and again, in my very small sample set, that some people who've moved here that don't plan on staying here for a long time don't necessarily vote for those measures. Now, I don't know what the percentages of people who are from here, who plan to stay here, Mm -hmm. implants that are here only temporarily. But one of the things I worry about is people who come here and don't have any long-term investment in the community, you know, they don't want to put up their tax dollars to help support the community. They don't want to necessarily increase how much they're getting taxed to be able to support systems like that. So, you know, I, I'd be curious to see what that data looks like on that. But I think that's one of the things I worry about too, whereas the people who are staying here are willing to, you know, put in money to make the schools better, the community better, the systems better, infrastructure better. But those who come here and only plan to be here for three, four years, make their money in balance, like there's no reason for them to, right? So I do worry about that impact on the city as well. Do you think SF, oh, I don't want to say the word woke, but mm-hmm. do you think SF with the influx of like a lot of these trans implants, transplants, do you think SF has been less, is less accepting or like is, or more just secretly less accepting in that sense? Like the people in the Bay Area being less accepting of people coming out from outside the Bay? No, no, no. Like, like, okay. So you kind of touched on it earlier where SF was full of like free spirits, mm-hmm. acceptance, blah, blah, right. blah, blah. Right. But obviously that culture will shift when there's people coming in from the Bay, or not from the Bay. Like, mm-hmm. let's just say, you know, you coming from like, from Midwest. like, yeah the midwest or a very racist town but you right. found work here do you think sf has like lost that acceptance of like other people because that's something that i've always kind of wondered mm, it's a good question i think it's a push and pull i've definitely talked to people who've come from really sheltered communities that have come here and they feel like they've learned a lot and they've opened their eyes to being more accepting because of the way the city is right we have an incredible gay community and and even a whole district in castro right i mean we we have I think just a lot more of that openness and that, that sort of accept everybody sort of vibe. And so I think some people feed off of that when they come here. Now, how much of that is also people who come here and hate it? I, I have no idea, but then maybe they wouldn't come here. So it's a good question. I have no idea. All right, guys, thank you so much for all that education on big tech, because I mean, like I said, I'm not super involved um, in that, in that community, in that industry. And so I think that a lot of what you said is very insightful for, at least for someone like me. And that's actually going to bring us to our Midway Bad Break fun fact. 
So my bad break fact of the day to all of you listeners is actually about the wildfires that we spoke of in the first question. In terms of property damage, specifically property damage, 2017 was the most destructive wildfire season on record in California at the time. The 2017 wildfire season destroyed or damaged more than 10,000 structures in the state, a higher tally than the previous nine years combined. The total property damage and total amount of burned land were both surpassed by the 2018 wildfires in the next year. That's crazy, right? And so, I mean, it's not so such a fun fact but like i just really want to shine a light on like this is a really serious problem and like when you see the wildfires in california on twitter they're they're really affecting you know people's lives here people are losing their property losing their businesses you know it's dangerous to go outside so i mean you know when you when you when you see that stuff in the news like just give it a second look give it a second look because it is a really serious problem over here in california right now and even in 2020 like in the in the midst of the pandemic there was a there was wildfires too remember those day where like the whole bay was orange Right. That was crazy. I remember oh, that. That was nuts. I like walked out. I was like, oh my God. <laughs> yeah, it was dead. And it was like, I remember <laughs> looking at the like the particle levels. I forget what it's called, but um, I remember I remember for a while people were like, oh yeah, how do you track the air quality levels? Because it's not something that we never paid attention just being in the bay because you always had like the air flowing in and yeah. out of the water. And so I remember looking at it, I was like, I thought I, I thought the numbers were a joke. I was like, dude, it's not safe to breathe, yeah. literally, like to go yeah. outside. And I don't know if you guys remember, but the wildfires also hit right around the same time that there was like a heat wave. So like you couldn't go outside because oh, yeah. of terrible air quality, but being inside was torture because there's no air conditioning. Man, it was it was a rough week. Yeah. Dude, it was hella funny. I saw someone, put, you know, one of, the, one of those window fans. Yeah. Um, and then, so they like shut it, but then they also like taped the, um, like one of those filters <laughs> uh, like on top of it. And it was like, what? And it was like, when you're hot, but you also don't want to die. Modern <laughs> yeah. problems acquire modern solutions. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, dude, that's actually pretty smart. <laughs> that actually also, fun story. Uh, I I I did one of those like YouTube hacks of like how to create an air conditioner without having an air conditioner. Did you do like, the thing with the ice in the yeah, bucket? like exactly. You put like the ice in a cooler. You cut like the the top of the cooler out and buy a fan or whatever. But here's the problem: I don't want to spend a lot of money on it. So, so I, got, I got a styrofoam cooler, and, like a ten dollar desk fan, and a bucket of ice. And all I did was melt the ice in the bucket. <laughs> It was so stupid. So you ended up wasting money. Yeah, yeah, I did. <laughs> <laughs> but, but you but, learned something. That's but I did cool. buy the fan and the styrofoam cooler from a local business. So I supported a local business. So. <laughs> All right, guys, welcome back from our not so fun fact this week. I hope you guys took a, uh, took a posture check drank some water, took uh, three deep breaths, because now we're going to move into a different section. Daniel peed. I peed. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> we're now going to move into a different section that has to do more with uh, kind of our personal identities and how they align with um, the Bay Area. So oh, we're going to get deep now, huh? We're going to get deep, deep nice. into some touchy subjects. So deep. <laughs> Whoa, maybe not. Like <laughs> so over the last year, Racism against Asians has been the center of attention in the Bay Area. It's real, it's visible, and it's making an impact on the Asian community. And if you don't believe it, I just want to take this moment to shout out an Instagram handle called Next Drunk. Um, they just have a lot of factual content. And 
you should give them a follow. Go and go, just go take a look. Now, I know we touched on this topic already in an earlier episode, but what I want to tackle specifically in this episode is how you guys think that this racism is affecting the identity of the Bay Area and how this change in identity of the Bay is affecting your identity as a Bay Area citizen. And so um, I actually don't mind going first on this one just because I love hearing my own voice or something. Um, (laughs) (laughs) No, share your thoughts, man. Share your feelings. (laughs) But basically, right, like growing up in San Francisco, I was exposed to a lot of different um, races, right, ethnicity in school and just being on the bus, seeing all different kinds of people all the time. Castro is right there, right? So, So you have kind of the exposure to the gay community. And so growing up, I, in my mind, I kind of created this picture of the Bay Area as like being very diverse. I never really thought there was a capacity for like Asian hate because there's so many Asians in the Bay Area, right? All the way out, for sure. you know, towards San Jose, Sacramento, there is a deep, not deep, but there is a high demographic, high, high population of Asians. And so, yeah, it, like, I, like I said, in my mind, I was like, oh, well, you know, Bay Area is like a pretty accepting place, which it is. I mean, we've touched on that a little, but I just didn't know that there was this really deep-seated hatred towards Asians, or at least it didn't make itself really visible until, um, until this last year. And so my personal identity as a Bay Area citizen was like really just shook, right? Because I, I went from this place of like, I see Asians all the time. I don't really have a problem with riding the bus. I can walk down the street, no problem, just because, you know, like um, um, that exposure level to different races is just so, so I don't know, prevalent, so high. And then now all of a sudden there's all these videos of these Asian people being beat up just for no apparent reason, right? Some are just gardening, just literally walking down the street doing, minding their own business. And so it's, it, it, I'm just shook, like really surprised. Yeah, I was pretty shook too, to be honest. I had the same reaction you did because, you know, kind of growing up here, especially in the sunset, you know, I, I see Asian people all the time. You know, my school was, I think, maybe predominantly Asian. Mm-hmm. So like when it started happening, I was just like, like, oh my God, like what the fuck is yeah. happening? Right. Like that, that was like literally like my first reaction. But I would say though, is that, I mean, I think there's bad and there's good, right? Sure. The bad obviously being the obvious part. The murders? Yeah. You know, like- Call it what it all, is. The murders, the hate crimes. Yeah. Um, but, you know, so the things that I ended up starting thinking about and uh, I think it was David So. When I was like listening to his rant, and, and he actually made like a really good point that like a lot of, a lot of Asian people like don't like to, ruffle the feathers or stir the pot or whatever. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so, it kind of made me think like, has this been happening? Has this been happening way more often than we realized? But it just really wasn't publicized as often. Or maybe it couldn't have been publicized back then just because like technology is so much better now that we're able to detect it, right? Catch Re- record it. Record it, record it. Right, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So, and then, cause it's like, you know, on the, on the other side, you know, it's kind of good because now it is, it is kind of peeling back those, like, you know, like the model minority myth and stuff mm-hmm. like that, you know, not all, we're, we're not all crazy rich Asians, you know? Right. And so, I mean, I, so I think, on one end, people are learning more um, about Asian people, 
but I still think it's pretty bad. I'm not going to yeah. lie to you. Yeah. I'm not going to lie. When you first said a positive came out of it, I was like, what the fuck are you talking about? But I, <laughs> I, I definitely get what you mean now. And then in terms of like shining a light on it, really, right? I think, yeah, understanding where model minority came from and where that term came from. Um, and if you don't know, I highly recommend you doing your own research and diving into it. We're not going to spend all the time here doing that. Um, I think Eugene Yang from the Try Guys has an amazing hour-long video actually on YouTube that dives into literally the whole history of racism against Asians in the country, including uh, where the model minority myth came from and all of that. So definitely check that out. But in terms of my opinion and the community here, bring it back to myself. I definitely agree. It's, it's, I mean, again, not surprising, but it's shocking. Right. And it's horrifying. And it's honestly, it pisses me off. Right. It makes me so angry because when I was growing up for me and I grew up in the North Bay, right. Again, outside of the city. And I faced a lot of microaggressions. So what I mean by that is that, you know, I wasn't told like, go home, you chink, or you're a gook, like go back to your own country. None of that stuff I felt I faced, but it was like small things, right? Like people would throw out the peace sign and squint their eyes at me. Um, you, you know, things like that, or be like, are you Chinese and stuff like that? So it just, it was like microaggressions, not so much flat out like hate crimes or, or violent racism. Right. And so I just kind of always in my mind had always thought that racism existed, but on a, on a sort of micro level um, in the Bay Area and it's in North Bay, especially, I can't speak for, you know, the San Francisco or San Jose or other areas that didn't grow up there. But mm -hmm. for me growing up in the North Bay, that's what I experienced in terms of like microaggressions, nothing super serious. But now with all of this and with like, you know, starting with definitely the murder of the Thai man in San Francisco, uh, all the way through pe people slapping Asians on the bus to, you know, the man being shoved in Chinatown and killed like in, mm -hmm. in Oakland, it's horrifying to watch. And, it, and I think what's even harder about that in terms of identity is that I think we ourselves growing up in the Bay and even people outside looking in think of San Francisco, California, the West Coast in general is a much more liberal area, right? Right, right exactly. Much, yeah, much yeah. more woke here. They're much more accepting. We talked about it even early in this episode where San Francisco is known as kind of this accepting, hippie, one love, one culture sort of place, right? Mm -hmm. But to see these crimes happening here and, and happening more here and on and also in New York, again, arguably another area that is yeah, also a lot of diversity, and, a lot of diversity right. happening in those areas is, is almost like a, an identity crisis where, right. Where it's like, I thought we were a city of love. I thought we were like, we had, we have literally love fest, right. As, as it mm -hmm. used to be a festival here too. So to see that happening here and to see it happening so often here, it, it really cuts to the core of like, who are we? Like what happened here? Right. But to Doug's point, I feel like it does expose a little bit of that. Maybe this was happening the whole time. We just didn't know, right? Exactly. It just wasn't being exposed. Right. It wasn't talked about. And we just lived in this bubble of like, oh yeah, I see so many Asians here. There's no way it could happen here. Mm -hmm. But maybe it has been the whole time. So it's definitely a good check on myself, but definitely something that I'm struggling with in the sense of like, this shit doesn't happen here, but clearly it is. I do have a question. Do it. All right. I don't know if this is going to sound bad, but why is it bad if someone asks you if you're Chinese? Because to me, because yeah. to me, that, that just, if someone asked me that, I would like, I mean, obviously I'm Chinese, but if someone's like, oh, are you Korean? I was like, oh, no, I'm Chinese. You know, I, to me, it's more of like the, I guess, intention. Yeah. And, you know, just to bring it back to my personal point of view, right, as someone who's Korean and not Chinese, I think it kind of goes back to this idea of like all Asians are a monolith, right? That like we are all one just Asian, right? But there are hundreds, right, mm -hmm. of different kinds of Asians that are out there. And so by immediately jumping to a single conclusion, I think just reinforces 
the idea that we're all just one people and the majority being Chinese. Like, I think if you take it to a numbers perspective, yes, there are more Chinese people in the world than I would say like the other Asian countries for sure. I think there are better ways to ask that question instead of blatantly just going for the one broadest Asian country, you know, right. If you want to get to know me, just ask me who I am and who, what I'm about and, and, and my culture and my heritage, I'm happy to tell you, but don't jump to a specific conclusion immediately. And I think, again, that kind of goes back to that first point where if you're just automatically going to assume that to me tells me that you only know one Asian race. Right. And so to me, again, reinforcing that idea of like, we're all just one people. And the only one that they know is probably Chinese. Okay. So then for someone, so what would be the proper way to ask you because i'm assuming you wouldn't want someone to be like Yo, where man, are you from what 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 asian are you yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> to our listeners so we we kind of just took a pause there because we like weren't exactly sure how to answer it and i mean what this question kind of shines a light on is that a lot of people really don't have the kind of exposure to have that kind of sensitivity um to know how to ask in like a really polite way i mean i think i kind of get it it's kind of like it's more of like understanding you as a person but not like you as a korean i don't know if that makes sense but yeah. it's more of like oh man this is really i'm more hard. than the color of my skin period and i'm sure. more than what i look like but i think right. in terms of asking like what your ethnicity is like i think just a lot of people just don't really know how to ask right but like they they just they they know the impolite way to ask just because they've been able to like get in, get away with it for so long but it's just like how do you really politely ask someone without being just like, are you, are you Chinese? Are you Vietnamese or whatever? But just like, Hey, like, I'm, I'm curious to know what your ethnic background is. Yeah. I mean, maybe just that, right. What is your ethnicity? Right. Um, Cause ethnically I'm, I'm Korean, but I, I'm, but if you ask me what I am, I'm, I'm Korean American. Right. I mean, it's, it is a hard question to ask, but I think that's why though the question on, on the surface doesn't, though the question of, are you Chinese doesn't seem offensive on like just at, at in of itself, I think there's a lot behind it, right? Again, making assumptions that we're all just Asian or, you know, that we're all a monolith and also kind of distilling me down to just the, how I look instead of like who I am as a person. I think a better way to ask me is just asking my ethnicity and in a way that's actually curious and wants to know about who I am as a person. I think it's just making automatic assumptions of me being Chinese or I've even seen out of the box questions like, are you Singaporean just to try and make like, like, Oh, I'm not, I'm not racist. You know, I, I know other countries <laughs> besides China and like just make a wild swing in the other direction. Why are you making guesses like that? Like, I, I don't walk up to a white person and be like, Hey, I, I, are you from uh, of French and, and British background? Like, you know, you, you wouldn't do that with anybody else. Right. And so it's, I, I think that specifically Asians get that question the most, right. I mean, you don't ask that literally about any other race. Right. I'm going to throw a wrench in it and kind of bring a point, right. That like actually a lot of, um, like Asian aunties and uncles I know that are, I guess, like not necessarily from the old country, but they are like more traditional, have absolutely no shame in just being like, are you Chinese? Are you Filipino? Kind of thing. But, and, but like, I don't know how like to distinguish a difference there between like, right. Like someone, like a white person asking me that like at a bar versus like when I'm getting my haircut and like my Vietnamese barber is just like, oh, are you Chinese? Kind of thing. Like, I don't know. I would say I think it's more I mean if I if I'm kind of understanding everything correctly I think it's more about the delivery hmm. and I think I mean I think this goes across all not just this particular but if I was just like it's like you Chinese 
Yeah. I, I don't know. Was it like, uh, no, I, I definitely agree that delivery is huge. Like if someone were to ask me like, Hey, may I ask your ethnicity? And I'd be like, Oh yeah. I'd be much more willing to like to talk about who I am and stuff like that. It's like you Chinese. I'm like, uh, no, I'm not. Like, it just comes off much more aggressive, right? Mm-hmm. Much more assuming. All right, listeners. I'm, I'm just going to say this <laughs> for one thing, this whole section was a B word to edit. <laughs> but the second thing, like just the, right. You could sense kind of sense the uncertainty that we all kind of had in, in answering our questions. I think it just really goes to show that um, we all have like a lot to learn, right? About sensitivity and about how to approach people about these things and that you never really know how sensitive someone is to questions like this. So if you are right, gonna ask someone about something like this, take your time, be patient and ask in like, right? In a sensitive way, cause you just don't know. In a respectful well, way, for yeah. sure. Right. In respectful. a respectful way. Yeah. 100%. I think you'd also have to kind of just read read the room, read the body language, read like whoever you're speaking to uh, and, and just being, you know, if, it, if it's making them uncomfortable, you know, try to switch the subject or something. Yeah. Last okay. thing I'll say on this, I think to, just because Doug, you hit on something that I want to double down on, which is like your relationship with that person, right? If it's someone that I've known for a little bit or had more than a conversation with, I'm likely more than to talk about it. If it's the first time I'm meeting you, don't assume I'm Chinese. You know what I mean? I don't want to be like, hey, my name's Mark. Are you Chinese? <laughs> like, you know what I mean? Like, I'm not, that, that just seems like a very, you know, sharp way to go into it. So, yeah. All right. What if someone asked you if you were Korean? I'd say, yes. Would you feel, how would you feel? I would also ask, why'd you, why do you assume that? Oh, he's like, no, just because I, I'm, I'm always curious as to like, like, what made you think I was Korean? Because, you know, I mean, well, so, it's just, where did that come from? Yeah. Where did it come from? Right. I'm just, I, I would be, I would be genuinely curious. Like, sure. You hit it. Good job. But what made you assume I was great? Right. Where's your evidence? I'd be like your first name. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, if it was my last name. It, make, it would much make much make more sense. So it would make much more sense. All right, guys and listeners, just, let's just take this moment, take a posture check, take a breath. And we're going to move into our second question. Um, and actually, before we do that, I just want to thank you. Doug and Han for your honesty, um, just about your personal experiences about racism in the Bay. Um, and I hope that our listeners can also um, kind of reflect on their own identity um, in relation to their home. And uh, sorry, I, I, I didn't mean to cut you off, but I, I do want to add that like, if you do encounter racism, in my opinion, like being confrontational, physically confrontational is not the way to, to go about it. I think from my experience, you know, trying to have that open dialogue with that person. Cause mm-hmm. I've definitely done that in the past. Um, probably wasn't the right environment to, to try to do it, but it was definitely one of those things where, you know, the, like, you know, like, you know, approaching them and just be like, yo man, like, why did you do that? And, you know, just, you know, I mean, obviously I don't know why they did it. I mean, but you know, like having that open, di- trying to start that open dialogue and, like trying to to reframe mm-hmm. their mindset mm-hmm. uh yeah i don't know because yeah yeah I, I mean I like yeah i understand right that feelings run high right when it comes to racism and being confrontational kind of perhaps like could seem like the right thing at the time right but like i don't want to be like too generalized about it but like violence really doesn't build bridges of understanding right the only way that we can come to understand each other is if we talk to each other and expose each other to who we are respectfully, right? And just have those, having those open discussions and yeah. Amen. All right, with that guys, 
I want to get, just bring it, bring it back to us. Take it away from all the negativity of the outside world. And I'm going to ask you guys something a little more personal. So this whole episode has been about um, the identity of the self and its relation to our home, the Bay Area. And I know this, this next question is um, not necessarily about the home, but the home, the home being San Francisco, but more about like the identity of the self and how it changed once, um, once you guys kind of grew up, right? And, right. And, and came into the workforce. So my question is, everyone kind of begins their career um, really optimistically, right? They wanna make a really positive impact on the world, but for many people, a transition into a real career can, can actually lead to an identity crisis, right? Maybe it's not all cracked up to what they thought it was gonna be, or maybe getting to the top was too hard and they couldn't make it. Maybe the competition was too fierce. Maybe they got into the company they wanted, but not to the department, right? And so any, any one of those could make a person really feel like they don't know who they are. They don't know what they wanna do with their life. And I wanna know from you guys, when you first made it into the industry you're in now, or you could even talk about a previous industry if, if you'd rather talk about that. Did you guys experience any type of identity crisis like that? And if not, why not? I can go first on this one. This is kind of a deep question, but I like it. <laughs> For me, I think I always had sort of this optimistic view of the world and I wanted to adhere to that, right? Whether it was to make a world a better place, I don't know about that. But I remember even writing in high school and even through college that if I can make a huge change in one person's life, that means my life was worth something. And I remember holding on to that sort of mantra, but getting into the working world, like you said, you know, I needed to pay off debts. I needed to make money. I needed to just jumpstart my career. And so the first job I got into had nothing to do with any interest that I had, but it was literally the only job I could get. I had a really hard time getting a job when I graduated. And so I definitely didn't really choose that job out of want, but really out of necessity. You graduated during the recession, right? I did. Yeah, I did graduate during the recession. So it was a really, really tough time. I mean, honestly, the first job I had out of college was going back to Abercrombie and working Sick. there full time. Yeah. And it yeah. was, it was terrible. Sure, and I was hard. trying to manage that and like interviewing for jobs, like stuff like that. So, yeah. but my first full time job, I'm not going to say where, but you know, it was pretty much in sales. The, the thing I liked about it was just the people interaction and being able to talk to people and understand their needs and things like that. And that has continued to follow me through the rest of my career. And that's the one part of my career I think I do enjoy the most. But do I feel like what I'm doing now is necessarily making the world a better place? No. Do I think I'm helping businesses and my clients grow? Yes. Now, does that align with my core beliefs or my identity? That's a, that's a harder question to answer. And the, the honest answer I have to that is I don't know. You know, it's interesting because I think growing up in the Bay Area and bringing it back to really being here, there's a sort of societal pressure in the Bay Area now, especially with the tech boom, right? Where everyone has a side hustle or another thing that they're working on or yeah. like have to keep up with the news. Like, you know, did you see this on Twitter or do you see this new evaluation? Like there's a lot of these jokes and memes out there of you know, what a typical picnic hangout looks like in the Bay. It's like, oh, did you see this evaluation? What did you think? Or what did you think about this launch? Or here's this new buzzword, whether it's like around crypto or NFTs or whatever, right? And so there's just so much to keep up with. And it feels like everyone's somehow, you know, ahead of the game or like looking into all these new, cool, interesting business ventures. But to me, I don't have an interest in any of that stuff. I just don't, right? But I almost feel like I have to as being part of the tech world or living in the Bay Area because that's all anyone ever talks about, right? And so, you know, I think one of the, the 
awesome parts of starting this podcast is to bring it back to kind of reality and real life, right? Of just like like human interaction and, and what we mean to each other and what good we can do for the community and ourselves and the people that live in it. And I think that that's one of the things I really wanted to do with this. This, this podcast more aligns with my identity than anything else, I'd say. Hmm. Because it's me talking about myself, which obviously I love to do, but also just talking to you guys about our experiences and shared experiences and hearing your stories. Because to me, that's much more interesting than any sort of tech evaluation. And maybe that's naive of me to say, but frankly, that's, that's how I feel, you know? Gotcha. And I just want to take this time to, to say like, this question wasn't meant to be like, what do you do and how do you live with it? How do you live with this? <laughs> but, but this question was more just a, a reflection, right? Of like, definitely, um, um, you know, what it was like to grow up from, you know, you think you're going to be like a doctor or, or an astronaut or something like that. You come into the real world, maybe it doesn't work out for whatever reason, outside your control, inside yeah. your control or, or whatever. And I just kind of wanted to know like what that experience was like, was like for you guys and how it had an effect on your identity and how it affects how you think um, identity is important, right? Because that's our theme. So absolutely. Yeah. I mean, in all honesty, I'm still working through it myself, uh, mainly because when I first started working, I remember I was like really bad at bad at, bad at interviews. Oh, I'm still bad at interviews technically, <laughs> but I would always tell myself, "Oh, you just gotta fake it till you make it." You always gotta fake it till you make it. And as soon as I landed, I remember taking. I remember I would always li- kind of take notes of what was said in other people's interviews, and I would try to talk about that in my next interview. And it just so happened that 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 worked but then i had no idea what it was you know i had no idea what i was talking about Hmm. and then uh, but yeah so so then i think that kind of shaped me a lot it was just always like imposter syndrome and then part of it was working in the for-profit uh for-profit tech side it was just very not fulfilling because i i didn't have that that sense of giving back and now that i work at a nonprofit I still kind of battle with that because I guess the grass is always greener but I I, I do want to say one thing though one of the best advice uh, that I got from when I was working in tech and the ad ad agency was that you know sure everybody wants to work at a place that's like fulfilling emotionally and stuff like that or like passionately Mm -hmm. but she, cause I, I told her, I, I did, I, you know, I told HR I'm not fulfilled and she just straight up told me like, look, I'm not, I'm not fulfilled either, but th- this job allows me to pursue passions outside of work. Right. That align more to like my, my core values and, and quick facts, or I guess I almost quit that job, uh, at the tech company to join SFPD. I was like very close to oh, yeah to go into the academy i'll try to remember that yeah daniel one thing i will say though is that i know that for for you at least i know that you're one person that has always been interested in biotech even when i knew you in college and you kind of were able to pursue that career so i would love to hear your journey also as someone who had an interest in that field and was able to get a job in that field like do you feel like you're following what you always wanted to do so that's an actually that's a really interesting question because coming out of college i thought i wanted to pursue medicine not biotech oh okay and what I wanted to do, I'll just say it, I wanted to do physical therapy. Coming out of college, I was working at Noah's Bagels just to like have an income, but I was also volunteering at UCSF 
and volunteering at an outpatient physical therapy clinic, right? So double volunteering just to get exposure to what I wanted to do, right? And what I realized during my time um, volunteering was that physical therapy just wasn't for me. Like I didn't feel like I had the patience, um, not necessarily to deal with patients, but I didn't have the patience that was required of physical therapists, Mm -hmm. right? Because they have to take things slow with all of their patients um, and work with their comfort level. And not to say that, like, I hate people. That's not what I'm trying to say. (laughs) But like, I I decided it wasn't for me. So when I decided to take a chance on biotech, I felt very empowered, right? That I had tried something that I wanted to do. It didn't work out. And now I'm going to, you know, my, my head is fully in this new industry that I'm going to try, right? I didn't have any second thoughts. I didn't have any, um, right, doubts that right. like, oh, I should have given medicine a chance. If only I blah, 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 then blah, blah, blah. You know what I mean? So, um, but I mean, it really worked out and I love love my industry and I'm very happy for the impact I'm trying to make on, um, on the world. Yeah, you know, what's really interesting about what you just said is that you tried it, right? You tried something that you thought you were interested in and therefore, but when you found it, it didn't work for you, you, you pivoted, right? And there mm-hmm. are two things I want to comment on that. I think one, I never pursued the thing that I really, really wanted to do. And I think to me, that's why there's always that what if. Right. Hmm. And I think to me, and I'll just be totally honest, like acting was something that I really wanted to get into. Um, you almost had a minor in acting in college. Correct. Yeah. And so for me, that's it was crazy like, to me. Which, yeah. <laughs> I barely got away with one major. <laughs> <laughs> it was yeah, because it was one where like I took the, I took, you know, I, I graduated the business degree because that was safe. Right. And that was what was, could open the doors to, you know, multiple doors for me. Um, but I always had a passion in like arts, whether it was, you know, acting, dance, as you guys know, or some other sort of performing art. And, I never gave it a serious shot and I always just like fantasized about it. So I think because of that, I feel more like that question and the identity crisis because I never gave it a shot. It may have been that I hated it, right? I may have just hated the insecurity about, of it and like the, the sort of grind that it takes to work in the arts. But I, I don't know because I never tried it, right? And so mm-hmm. maybe that's where that identity crisis comes from. But one thing I will say on the flip side of that to be in a more positive light, something that you said, Doug, which was like a means to an end. I think at the end of the day, to combine something that you said, Doug, which was, um, you know, being able to fund your passions. And then, Yim, one of the things that you said in terms of being able to pivot when you realize you didn't like it. I think at the end of the day, no matter who you are, I think you need to just like check in with yourself and roll with the punches. Yeah. Right. I think just like <laughs> almost to bring it to a meta level, the bay is constantly changing, right? It's changed from what it was 10, 15, 20 years ago to what it is now. And us from 10, 15 years ago, are different people and we'll continue to change and we'll continue to evolve. So I think it's just really important to check in with yourself and understand where you are. And if you need to make a pivot for your own fulfillment, do that. Right. And I would encourage all of our listeners and even all of us to check in with ourselves and understand like, Hey, listen, you can't, you may not be able to be fulfilled in every single aspect of your life, but find ways that you can find fulfillment in what you do. And for me, that's doing this podcast with you guys. Man, that is really hard hitting on our theme of the importance of identity. You, I could not have said it any more eloquently than you just did. Check in with yourself, guys, and you'll do just fine. All right, guys. It has been an episode, to say the least. Damn we, right. We talked a lot about the Bay Area and the change over the last many years. We talked about um, you know, the, the Asian hate crisis that we have on our hands, mm-hmm. and we talked about ourselves. So let's just take a breath. And we're going to move into my favorite part of every episode, the rapid fire questions. Let's go. All right, guys. First one, Pac-Bell Park or AT&T Park or Oracle Park? AT&T. 
AT&T. Really? I think Pac Bell for sure. It's because of three championships, man. It's the. Oh, best. okay, okay. I can't. I can't. Yeah. <laughs> Old Bay Bridge or New Bay Bridge? There's literally like no difference. <laughs> I don't know, man. Fall, you know, you know, as you know, a child, I fell asleep going across Bay Bridge. Just you know, because my parents were driving, so I I really got to hand it to the old Bay Bridge. That I just, but they didn't get rid of it. I thought they were literally gonna, you know, like half double, of it. They've yeah, been dismantling double, it, but it's not double, all gone. I, yeah, I thought they were gonna undo the entire thing. So that's why when I was like, oh, it's still like I'm I'm biased. Of. I have to say the new Bay Bridge because I lived near it and the lights at night were really cool when I walked home. So okay, that's fair. That's fair. All right, matter of change: Converse Chuck Taylor or Chuck Taylor twos. Chuck twos. Chuck twos all day. Nike, if you're yeah. listening, bring them back, man, please. Yeah. Yes, that's what I'm saying. Chuck twos. Sometimes change is good. Uh, Golden State Warriors or Golden State Warriors in San Francisco? San Francisco Warriors. Nah, go original Golden <laughs> State Warriors. Oracle Arena, let's go. Yeah, I got to go. Yeah. Uh, Temple Nightclub, before or after remodeling? Before, even I'm though I only before. went there once. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to say before, too, because they actually played hip-hop downstairs. Yeah, I'm going to say before, too. It's pretty rad. If you're coming to San Francisco, visit Temple Nightclub. Yeah. Uh, the Metreon Center as the PlayStation Store or the Metreon Center as Target? PlayStation. That was, like, the coolest thing, even though I never really went to downtown, but I was like, oh, I want to go to the PlayStation Store. Yeah, it was a pretty cool experience. Yeah, do PlayStation Store, and then you watch the movie at the Metreon. It was, like, the perfect Saturday. That's what I'm saying. And you go to the Wild Things thing. I've never actually been in there. I've always wanted to. And then, yeah. you, and then you walk up to Union Square and go to FAO Schwartz. That's that what's a, up. That was a really good store, too. All right. Thank you, Han and Doug, for all of your time today. And, and thank you to our listeners, all my baddies out there, for taking in yet another episode um, where I feel fortunate enough to be your host and talk about the importance of identity. I hope that I gave you a lot to think about today um, because I certainly have a lot to think about today in terms of just right checking in with yourself, in terms of taking in your surroundings every once in a while um, because you know like we talked about so much the, like the bay is changing i'm sure your home is changing too so take it in every once in a while because um, you never know you know when certain businesses restaurants might be gone with that thank you guys deuces deuces reach out to us on twitter and instagram at 3ad podcast we know how precious time is these days, so we want to thank you for spending some of your time with us. As you go on into tomorrow, go on unapologetically, go on as a positive force, and most importantly, go on with your bad self.